Hi, this is Hope. This is Chris. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Radio. Hello, and welcome to this episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. I'm Matt Frazier, joined by Doug Hay, as usual, and special guest, listener favorite, Sid Garza-Hillman. Yay! Yay for me. Hi, guys. How's it going, Sid? Good. Thanks for having me on. Of course. It's, it's been a good time to have you uh, in Asheville for a few days. We've been hanging out, working on a special project, Top yeah. Secret. <laughs> top Secret. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. <laughs> For now. 15 minutes is top secret. <laughs> Matt, this is the first time we've had a guest that's actually live in person with us. If you don't count Aaron. Oh, if you don't count Aaron, right. Yeah. She doesn't count. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, had uh, to fly, yeah. I had to fly all the way to Charlotte to, right. to be here live. Now we've had beautiful weather while you've been here. <laughs> For me, in California, I'm loving the rain, so fine by <laughs> me. Well, uh, I think what people like about you is your small steps approach jives very well with the stuff that we talk about here all the time. Uh, your philosophies around diet, of course, you are vegan, and the you're a nutritionist and the wellness programs director at the Stanford Inn, which is the only all vegan resort in the country. Correct? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, people like that. I like your philosophy of nutrition a lot. It's all outlined, of course, in your book, Approaching the Natural. Which has a subtitle also that I don't know. A health manifesto. Okay, uh, that's actually a really good book. It's it's cheap and it fits in your pocket, which is really nice. If you ever need to produce a book out of your pocket, yep. it, you can do it with that one. Uh, but it's a very good book. I would highly recommend it. And uh, it's it's a quick read and just really fun, really good. I don't know, just a nice low pressure, low key overview of what it takes to to be healthy in the modern world. And approaching the natural means is that it's the point is that we want to approach what's probably ideal and probably the healthiest things we could do with the understanding that in today's world, we're not going to get there. We're not going to be like we used to live 10,000 years ago. It's just not going to happen with cars and cell phones and everything else. Uh, but I think it's a really realistic approach to health. And I, I think it's, that's the reason people, people, your message resonates with our audience. But since then, since we last had you on, you've done some ultra running. Which I is have, pretty cool. I know. Yeah, I did. I um. I don't even know if I was training when I was on. That hadn't even been a, a thing on my roadmap, as it were. Um, and, so, <laughs> and so, um, I think after I was on your last episode, the last episode I was on, um, I just got the bug and thought I would give it a try, and um, and so trained. Actually, hired a coach. I found a professional, uh, I've heard him on Ultra Runner Podcast, a guy named Matt Flaherty. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah. Cool. Um, good runner. And I, there was something about him on that interview I really liked. And so I just said, what does a coach even, like, that? what did they involve? And I contacted him. He was totally reasonable, like, inexpensive, just about basically like a gym membership mm-hmm. for about four months. And he's in Indiana, and he kind of helped me through it so I didn't have to really think about day-to-day what to do. He just said, here, and it was morphed on... Tra- you know, if I had to travel, he would adjust the plan. It was really pressureless given how busy I am. I just wanted to see if I could pull it off in the context of family and work and everything else. And I think I was pretty successful at it. Did he have like a daycare option like my gym does? Like if you he did. He too? did. I would fly my kids to Indiana on a Monday <laughs> and they would fly back on Friday. And, uh, you know, whatever, whatever's necessary for dad's training. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was pretty, it was very, hand, hand, he was very mellow and hands off. Pretty cool. So you ran a you ran a fifty k in preparation for the fifty miler, right? That's right. Yeah, and that was his his one of his advice big advice points at the beginning was if you can sign up for a pre ultra because I was 
my goal was to just do the 50, uh, 50 miler. So he said, really, if you can get in on a race, just, just to get used to what that feels like, that'd be great. And so I just, he recommended way too cool. It was a race that he actually won uh, the two years before that. And so I just jumped in the lottery and happened to get in. And so that was excellent. And that was actually really all told the, of the two races, the way better experience was the 50 K versus the 50 miler, you know, like three and a half weeks after that. So that was actually really fun. If I had just done the 50 miler and it had been like it was, I probably wouldn't ever do an ultra again. Right. Yeah. If you want to see the video of Sid's 50 miler, he Sid puts out videos now along with this weekly podcast. Uh, the videos are really well done and funny and well made. Just, just I don't know. Sid is a, a blossoming videographer. No, not videographer. Filmmaker. Sure. Yeah, it's for. Do you fun. do like weddings videos? I do. I do weddings. Yeah, bar mitzvahs, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> approaching the bar mitzvah is a big, is a series, is a channel I have. Um, you don't want to go all the way to the bar mitzvah. That's, that you just like want a, to. Like one of those new MTV, like you know, reality, reality shows, shows approaching yeah. the bar mitzvah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I did document both the 50k and the 50 miler on YouTube, and if you watch those videos, you can. It's this. You just search on Sid Garza Hillman's my channel. But if you if you see those videos you can see that i had a much happier day on the 50k yes. and a much less happy day on the 50 miler um and that's I think how that's it goes. a typical that 50 miler day you had is is not atypical at all that's that's what running a 50 miler is for a lot of people especially the first time i mean it's just it's just like a suck fest as they say and just it's miserable and you get through it i think it's suffer fest not suck fest. well, well it was a little both i think uh yeah i think for me it was partly that i had traveled from Monday to Thursday of that week and had jet lag. So then I got I got home very late Thursday night, up Friday morning, drove to the race, you know, got two hours of sleep that night, and then I'm running. And this the 50K was, like, excited for the race and, like, this is cool, and I knew it was going to be hard, and it was. The 50-miler at the starting line, I had this moment where I was like, this is the last thing I want to be doing right now. And that, that's a bad that's a bad thing when you're starting a 12-hour day yeah. where you just I mean at mile six I wanted to get out I had no physical problems at all just like God, I'm exhausted and fatigued and just don't want to be doing this you know that's and tough, right? yeah, that slogging through that was some some you know that's where tr- your training really comes in yeah and I mean I think what that one thing one good thing about that is that I think one of the best things about ultra running is it makes you good at not quitting things it gives you experience with doing something being fully aware that it's terrible and you hate it. And also, and Doug and I had a conversation about this recently because his 50K recently didn't go that well. Uh, but, you know, there's still this this part of the reason we do ultras is to to see what we, you know, what, what, what happens when you get to that point where you just absolutely want to quit and how much how can you make yourself not quit. So, I mean, I think it's part of it. I think it's, of course, it's way better if the race goes well. But uh, you got a little, you got your money's worth there. I did. I think I think you're totally right. I mean, for me, I, I did a blog post on it actually after just what I learned from it. And one of the things I kept thinking that day were well, two things major. One was, this is one day. It, it, it's one day. You know, it, it yeah, it sucks, but it's one day. And it, it's 12 hours. It's going to be over regardless of whether I jump, drop or not. It's just going to happen. You know, it's like finals week. By Friday, I'll be done with this. I'm just thinking, honestly, exactly. It's totally over. No matter what Friday, it's autopilot. Just like it's going to be done. Okay. And the other thing was, um, I I thought to myself, if I have any physical problems today, like any physical breakdown, then I'll jump. 
Like I was like, if I have any pain, I'm just going to not. Why? Because I'm in this mental space. But I had no physical. I kept thinking, need you? Can you just go out once? Just, <laughs> you know, just a foot. Can I have just one foot problem? And I physically couldn't have had less trouble. Like I had no soreness, no nothing. Two days later, I was like recovered great. So I just kept slogging along going, okay. And just, you know, and luckily my wife was there on the 50 miler. And so she's, she met me at mile 29. Um, and so honestly... I got to 29 really because I kept saying I'm going to see her at 29 and then again at 40 and of course at 40 I found she told me that her father had had a stroke that morning so it was just like it was just a really oh, weird day I was just like oh man you know and and so it, you know luckily it was a minor stroke but it was a stroke and um, so I finished that last 10 and my daughter ran me over the finish line which you can see in the video but that was like made the day. You know, I'm, I'm like getting up there. She comes out and she goes, I'm going to run across with you. I'm like, I don't think they can let you do that. And she goes, no, everyone's doing it. I go, done, let's do it. And so yeah. she held my hand across. The, she's 11. She held my hand across the finish line. So that was pretty great. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So, so 100 miler next? No, I um, <laughs> I really, I may do a 100K at some point. Um, it sounds like 100 milers in your future. I may, it may be. The whole running all night thing, I don't know about that yet. That's the big yeah. hindrance. I know you've done it. You That's both have done part. it. I yeah, I don't know. I've That's never done a night run. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done a night run. So I, I guess I should experience that first. I like it because then you can't see the hills you have to climb. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Cool. Well, good. Um, and you have you have been inspired, I guess, by those experiences to actually put on a race, do a fifty k, out in Mendocino. Yeah, it, it that was a natural, really a natural progression. Part of that came out of the training for my ultras was that I discovered a ton of trails in my area that I'd been there for nine years and had no idea. I mean, I knew like two of them. And then I hooked up with this um, girl. I was actually on a training run and she pulled up next to me and she, I was running in the like thunder and rain. And she like pulls up and goes, um, do you ever need a running partner? And I was like, yeah, but I, I kind of do longer. I'm kind of like, you know, yeah, I do longer distances. And she's like, well, I just did a hundred miler a month ago. I was like, oh, okay. You're, you're that kind of person. And so anyway, so we started running together, but she's a, um, her name's Sid too, which is funny. Sid Ross, C-Y-D. But um, she is a horse crazy person. And so she rides horses all the time. So she knows all the local trails. So through her, I've discovered all these amazing trails. And through that, I thought to myself, go with, this is prime area to have uh, an ultra and it's never been done um, apparently there was one like 25 years ago inland in mendocino and it was sort of a horse slash running race but this is the first true ultra especially on the on the coast um, and so it's really really great so it's it's called the mendocino mendocino coast 50k but the website's mendocinoultra.com but it's but we just just came up i haven't even opened registration that'll probably be within two weeks cool i expect right. both of you out there to run it are the aid stations going to be stocked with like bacon and cheeseburgers? We're doing cheeseburgers? mostly bacon, a little bit, <laughs> a lot of like prime cuts just because it's an upper yeah. echelon yeah. type Horse race. Meat, maybe? Kind of Horse meat, whatever's local. You know, if it's it. local, it's fine, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, and so, yeah, no, 100% plant-based, which will make it one of the most environmentally friendly ultras out there. That's really cool. I'm, I'm really excited about yeah. that. Yeah. So, yeah, no, uh, no, even the after, the after party, will, I'm hoping to be sponsored by a brewery. Um, and then we'll have some really awesome food. And, and I think um, the Stanford Inn will kick in, donate some of the cuisine at the end of the race, which will be fun and obviously 100% vegan. So I think it'll be really cool. Really cool experience. So the most sustainable race in the universe? Can we? I'm hoping. I don't know. I haven't actually searched to see if there's any. In the world. Do you know if there's any other vegan ultras? I think there might be one in Europe somewhere. That Europe. Once just, that doesn't count. Europe. Right? I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> right. It's like a whole other country over there. Yeah. I don't even know what exactly. that is. Um, 
And so, yeah, it is, but I think in the United States, but certainly one of them. I mean, I'll have to, yeah. do, a, I'll have to do a search before I can make that claim. No, you don't need to do that. Just, just don't, don't, it. Don't yeah. Google it. You said it I am, and let somebody yeah. sue me. <laughs> So I'm excited about that because it's it's you know it's personal to me and fun and and my only disappointment is I don't think I can run it because I'm directing it. But then a friend of mine was like, I will do race day direction. I will I will take care of all the responsibility because I was like, gotta be I would love to actually run the damn thing, you know. So we'll that see if I can. Sound like a disaster waiting to happen. What's that? That doesn't sound like a disaster. I know, right? I'm like, I'm like somebody somebody had a heart attack. <laughs> I'm on mile thirty. I'm almost finished. Let me finish. Anyway. Cool. So what's the website for that? MendocinoUltra.com, and that the website's fully functional. And everything I just honestly, I'm just waiting to hook up with Ultra Sign Up to get so you this. You can't sign up yet, right? Not yet. Mm-hmm. You can see the map, and yep, exactly all that stuff. It's Good. a gorgeous race. I mean, along the coastline, inland waterfall, river, it's ocean. It's amazing. Great. I think that'll be very cool. Sponsored by the Stanford Inn too, so Jeff's helping me out with that too. It's very great. Okay, good. So besides the Ultra, we've also got something else happening with vegan running and Stanford Inn. Right. Yeah, in the works. In the works. I got some, um, just some feedback, runner feedback, and listener, you know, people who've heard my podcast and stuff. And um, so we're gonna we're crafting a a few three vegan men's running retreats for next year. And um, I'm I'm trying to twist Matt's arm into coming out and and co-hosting it. So I don't know how much I have to twist your arm for that. But anyway, so that's in the works too. So check that, check back. Cause it, it's probably within a week that we're going to launch those dates. It looks like March, June and October, I think. Okay. So that'll be really So why, too. why men's running retreats? We have a large female audience, by the way. That was what was pitched to me. And honestly, I, I, it doesn't really matter to me, but I just thought the two, the, it's two men who came specifically and were like, you got to do a vegan men's running retreat. So maybe, hmm. maybe it's uh, like a macho thing. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Are you making me? Um, and there's going to be. There's going to be. I, I. It was just an idea, but I actually don't. I'm not married. No, to I that. Think in a way, it's a good thing because I think there is this perception that, that veganism and men don't go together yeah. well. You know that just it's not a man's thing. Yeah. So I think that's kind of cool that it would would be called that. At the same time, though, you know, it could why, just be vegan. Just make it vegan, vegan running, running retreat. retreat. Right. That's true. I could. I guess. Are there women runners? No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> and, but, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I, I actually have no idea. We haven't crafted it, so honestly, like we should just make it like that. Those are just the two guys. Two guys specifically were like, "Vegan men's running retreat would be really good here." And you could, you could do a vegan one, a men's one, and then a, a co-ed one or a yeah, female. Yeah, I probably wouldn't matter, right? People would have just as much fun. It, what would what would special be about a men's group? Maybe there's just like um, we could explore male issues in the vegan world. Yeah, as part of that retreat. And it, and you're right. Like signs that no girls allowed. That's kind of cool. Yeah, we could do that a little club clubhouse sign. Right. But I, I, I had a conversation once with Joshua Catcher. I don't know if you know him, the discerning brute. Yes. And and and, and he he deals a lot with like the perceptions of of masculinity in the plant based world that there is that kind of meat eating man's thing. And so there's a certain amount of. I mean, I my wife and I joined our last names. I people have kind of gone like, what's going? On? You know, like there's that still that kind of inherent machismo thing that exists a little bit, especially in athletics. And then also in the vegan thing, it's it's perceived as not, man, you know, manly in a way. So I think it is worth a discussion or at least a conversation to keep that out there. I think so too. It's interesting. Yeah, just standing up for my girls. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. <laughs> I was just, I, I don't know. Yeah, but it is true. You know, like it's living on what we're doing and deciding to live this way is acting on principle. I think it's a very strong place to come from for man for men and women, and I think. That's that's why we do what we do. So that's where I come from on it. Good. All right. Well, stay tuned. Well, for stay that. tuned for that. Now yeah. you made me. You made me think. 
I sort of was like, yeah, okay, cool. Let's do that. And literally, that's how, so now you're, now you're making me think. And I don't like thinking. So mm-hmm. that's not, not nice of what you did just now. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. He's never going to come back on. I know. Matt made me think about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let's talk about why you're here. Okay. Other oh. than sleep on my couch. Other, couch. other than sleeping on or what? On Doug's grandmother's couch. Oh, that's what it really is. Wow. Your listeners are like, I don't, we don't want to know what. Um, <laughs> I did. I came from California to sleep on Nana's couch. Um, Matt, I came out here because we're working on an exciting project. We are. I'm excited about yeah. it. It's, uh, it's probably a month away from actually being released and ready. Maybe a little, maybe a little sooner. Uh-huh. We'll see. Uh, and it's about meal planning. Because that's something we've been asked about over and over and over as well. A lot of emails I get say, hey, can you make me a fully customized meal plan for free? And uh, just do that when you have the chance. <laughs> when you but, have free time. But, <laughs> but we've had, I've had enough people ask about meal plans. Everyone wants meal plans. And I think, uh, I, honestly, and you and I, I think we both agree with this, people don't need a meal plan, right? Most people know exactly what it takes to, to eat healthily, uh, but just maybe don't have the confidence to put together their own meal plan and say, like, here's what I'm eating day to day and this is what I'm going to do. So I think anyone can do it, but I think some people just want to know that someone else looked at their what they're eating and sort of vetted it and said this is good. Uh, or there's a whole idea that we can we can know totally what we should eat, what we should do, uh, but it's just not that easy to actually do it. Sometimes we kind of get the, that paralysis by analysis thing where we have so many different options, so many different cookbooks, the whole internet full of recipes, and it's like, what am I going to make for dinner tonight? I have no idea. I just can't think. So just having someone say, here's what to do. Here's here's a track to follow. Uh, I think that's kind of what we're going for here. And as well as a little bit making it, I wouldn't say geared towards new new vegans, but definitely making it accessible to people who are brand new. So for, for many people, it'll be, I'm already vegan and here's a meal plan to help me stick with what I really believe is healthy. And for others, it'll be, I'm not yet vegan and I would like to do it and here's a way for me to do it and know that I'm doing it the right way. So uh, it's it's fun. I think our philosophies match so well around food that it's been very easy so far to make and we've been shooting a bunch of cooking video while you're here the past couple days. Yeah. We're going to be doing some more video today. And the I'm, theme of our videos is if we can do it, you can freaking do it, right? Because <laughs> if Matt and I can pull off a dish... Pretty much you, anybody can pull off that dish. Yeah. N- neither of us is a trained chef yeah. or anything like that. And we're both – really, we, we both value simplicity and, and speed in, in getting – you know, preparing for the, for the meal and then preparing the meal itself. Yeah. So this isn't about gourmet food or anything like that. Uh, so I, I hope the intimidation factor is, is nothing, that there is none. Um, but I don't know. I'm excited about it. I think it's. I think it's going to be a really good thing. Just as we've done it, and as we as we spent the past two days not making cooking video, the sense I've gotten for it is that it really is going to be helpful to a lot of people, and or even if it's just a smaller, I don't know. There are certain people for whom this will be extremely life changingly helpful. Yeah. That's that's kind of the sense I've gotten. That that it's if it's for the right person, and not it's not the right thing for every single person. As we said, the person who who wants the gourmet meal every single week. Or every day and likes likes cooking out of a cookbook for a new recipe every single day, which there are, and I used to kind of be one of those people. You know, they're not going to appreciate this at all. But to someone who who food is a big stress factor in their life and getting the right food on the table for their family that they know they can feel good about and feel like they're doing the right thing as far as their family's health, I think it's going to give them a lot of 
confidence and reassurance and uh, just let them know exactly what to do. Yeah, so I actually think this is a, I mean, that how it's evolved is becoming a confidence builder. I mean, I think we're shepherding people through the process of transitioning. And in this case, it's food. But any any change is stressful for people because they're busy and they already have their set routines. And I call it the, the wall of behaviors that you have in existence already. And when you try to shove another behavior into that wall, it's really hard to do. And if, to make little cracks is what we're going for here. So we want to show you how to do that, how to bring it in, and then you're on your way after that. So I think that's what's cool about it is it's not like for people who do want that everyday difference, maybe not the thing for you, but for somebody who wants to establish a new what I do day-to-day generally, that's what this is going to be super strong for. Yeah. And one of the things, and I don't know for sure that we will, but I think one of the things we talked about was like, hey, we could make this a subscription thing where people will sign up and they'll get a month of meal plans. And then if they stay on board with us, then they'll get the next month of meal plans after that and the next after that. But then we hit this point, actually just yesterday, where we were like, you know, the point of this isn't that we get people addicted to our meal plans and that they need to just keep getting our meal plans. The, the point here is to teach someone how we do things so that they don't need meal plans and don't need a subscription. So I'm not saying for sure that we definitely won't have any sort of subscription option, but I think we're really leaning towards the the let's make this a, a one-time thing. And then once you're done the first month, you can repeat that month if you want or however many months we end up putting into it. But uh, the point is, is that you, who, who you know uses the plan, learns exactly how to do it so that you can then make your own meal plans and have your own core of meals that you stick with and just make this become part of your day-to-day without having to really think about it. Just making this one less thing to think about so that it becomes part of that wall of, of normal that that uh, something else has to jam its way into. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's our goal. And I, I think that people already have the things that they do every day. And we're just going to help you create a few replacements for other things that now, you know, in two months you'll be doing these new things every day and you really won't, it'll be like brushing your teeth again, but with new food. And I think it's really intimidating to change cuisine. I think we have tradition and ritual, all these things around food, plus the taste enjoyment and all these perceptions that if I change, it's going to be worse. I don't think that's true. And I think that you can make the change and very quickly realize, oh, I've just been doing this a while now. I don't think about this. And and so we want to take the weight off your shoulders and the thinking away from and the stress away from that. So, guys, I'm curious, are these going to be kind of family-friendly? Are you doing this with the family in mind? Yeah, entirely, right? Yeah, I mean, it's for, you know what it is? It's for busy people. It's busy people-friendly. Mm-hmm. So whether your busyness comes from family or work or whatever, it's how do I throw these things together? That's why it's not, you know, super indulgent, not indulgent, maybe not a good word, but super intricate recipe-based. It's not. I mean, this is what you do generally day-to-day. And in my family... We know that every Wednesday we do the same meal based on our schedules. You know, we my wife works full-time, I work full-time, we have three kids. And so we kind of have crafted our week-to-week meals pretty similar so that we just know what's coming. Our shopping is super easy because we know we, what to buy, where it is in the market. We know the dishes because we've made them before, so we throw them together super fast. Then usually once a week, we'll do something special. We'll, we'll find a new recipe. We'll try something new, usually on the weekends when we have more time. So that's what we're going forward. This is how do you establish a new normal of your day-to-day healthy that you just don't think about. You just throw these together. You love the food. You look forward to it. Great. And then once in a while, you do a, a recipe or fun when you have time and it's not stressful. The whole idea is we don't want stress. We don't want people to be stressed by eating. And then we want people to be just as unstressed eating healthy as they are unstressed about eating the stuff that they're eating now if it's unhealthy and, you know, for whoever. That's one of the, the things idea. you said there, said I think is is really one of the key points, the key tips really about meal planning that there is, and that is 
to to have a few meals. It can just start out as one meal. Can eventually you know expand. Maybe it turns into a list. I actually keep a little list of meals that are quick, easy, healthy, cheap, and delicious. So that if I am you know running home from whatever and we've just got to make dinner in twenty minutes and I know we don't have that much at home, I can quickly go into the store, pick up something, come home, and it takes ten or fifteen minutes to make. Uh, but it's also not microwavable TV dinner that you know. So it does all this stuff, but it's also healthy. That's right. And so just having. I think one of the most important things people could do just from this conversation is figure out what what is your most stressful day. Like you said, you've got this one day a week where it's really busy for you all the time. So you know that on that day, all the time, you're making this certain meal. And you guys eat typically the same thing week to week except for those special days, right? That's right. So if you can just – whether or not you have a a certain day in the week that is your busy day or if those days are unexpected and they just come up now and then – if you have a kind of an emergency plan for those situations because you have a list of even like three meals that, that yep. you know you can rely on uh, and it will take you 10 minutes to figure out what those meals are, you've probably already got them. You've probably made them before. It's just a matter of being mindful of what they are. Uh, you kind of have that as your plan and then and then when that crazy day comes up, you, you resort to your, to your emergency plan and you go ahead and do this. So I think that's a crucial thing is just getting in the routine of having a, a core meal. It might just be one meal. It might be many meals eventually. But having that and then starting to build those into your week. That's right. And I, I think like what we were talking about before is I think people are used to, for instance, exercise. They exercise, a, they do a certain thing. They're runners or they they're, do spin class or they do yoga and they're used to those things. And, and they don't really change those week to week. They, they, I go for a run six days a week. I usually do trampoline one day a week. Don't, don't get me started on that, uh, Frazier. Don't get me started. Rebounding. Rebounding. Okay. Um, you know, and I kind of have that set. But this, this, this is a perfect example where I run most days. But there are days where I have to start work early and I don't have time to run. So I will jump on the trampoline. I know that's my go-to. I don't not exercise. So in other words, in the analogy of food is I don't eat junk food just because I'm busy. I just adjust my schedule to incorporate another healthy behavior, but that takes less time. And so that's really what you're getting at. I don't think about it. I don't go, what, am I, what exercise am I going to do today? Should I run or should I spin? It's like I know generally what I do week to week. Sometimes I go on hikes. Sometimes I bike ride. You know, there's certain times, but day to day, I kind of have that set. We're just going for the same thing on food. So what do you think about variety in diet? Because I know when you start to think about, like when I just, I'm sure some bells went off in people's minds when I said that you guys typically like every Wednesday night is the same dinner for you or every Thursday night or whatever, except for maybe one or two times a week when you make something new. Uh, at the same time, we, we do tend to value a variety in our diet because my, my reason for doing it is because I think having a kind of a mixed basket of foods that changes from time to time, that that's going to protect you against deficiencies. Because if you eat all the same stuff all the time and you haven't thought it out, uh, then, you know, you might be, it might, that certain mix of foods might not have certain things in it. And if you're constantly mixing that up, then uh, you kind of give yourself that extra layer of protection. What, what do you think about that? And what's your, what's your response if people were to say, well, you shouldn't eat the same food every Wednesday night. It's, you know, you're going to run out of protein. Right. Well, the protein. Right. Okay. So, aside from the protein, there's a couple things going on. One is one is variety of meals. So one one is okay. I don't want to eat the same thing every Wednesday. I want different meals every night. Okay. For us, we do because it works for us in our schedule. Because I like not thinking about food and prepping food so much during the week. Is we eat basically we know what we're going to eat Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, pretty much every night, every week, and we look forward to it. The kids do too. So we don't have variety there. But I think what you're getting at is there's, but there is a a tremendous amount of variety 
in the context of what we eat every week. So in other words, we don't eat, you know, tofu and brown rice and and that's it. We our meals are have a ton of different ingredients in those not a ton, but pretty much. Like our smoothies have six different fruit in them. My salad probably has eight, nine different vegetables and nuts and seeds. I mean, I have a hugely varied diet compared to most Americans, but I'm eating the same meals, but in those meals there's a lot of plants essentially so what we're doing so the, the the fact of the matter is in the wild there's no animals in the wild don't eat varied diets they eat the same thing every day they eat what's right around them and eat the same foods every day and they're doing just fine what you're getting at is there's a modern world reality and the fact of the matter is it has to do with the way that we farm and the way that our agriculture system is where we over we overgrow soil so now as a nutritionist i'm like yes if you can vary the sourcing of your plants from different areas. I mean, this is just, we love to eat local. It ain't a reality. It's just not a reality for the human species. There's too many of us on the earth. We have, you know, jammed us into areas. And Los Angeles has 8 million people in LA County. We can't do 100 mile meals. And we're overplanting the soil. So if you got the same plant from the same place every day and that's all you ate, you could have deficiencies. So I think we need to get a little more realistic short term to say, you know, let's vary our, our sourcing. Let's vary the amount of plants that we um that we eat and i think we're easily covered i've been doing it for a long time and i have no deficiencies so i, I think it's pretty and i take no multivitamin so i'm I, so far so good but um and my clients too but i think that that's you know we can we can still have a very varied diet in other words but still have regularity of dishes so that we don't have to think what the heck am i going to cook this week i've had clients we talked about it. i have clients that are so stressed because they have to, they think every week they have to come up with a, a, a new meal plan, new recipes to learn, new things to shop for, and it's a massive amount of time. And if it's fun for you, that's excellent. But the people I've worked with, it's not fun for them. It's stress for them. So if I can dial that back down and say, why don't you create four or five dishes that you get to know really well and that you don't have to think about anymore, then you have time to do other cool stuff that you might want to do. And that extends all the way to not just the preparation, but to the shopping itself. You said you can run in a grocery store in two minutes and get what you need yeah you do too like if you're in a busy day you don't have to go like what are the you go you go tempeh and your barbecue sauce whatever your thing is and you get the six or seven ingredients that's great and you come home and you make it and you, there's no recipe to follow and you're talking to your wife and you're making food and you're hanging out you know that's a that's a cool thing other than wait i can't talk to you right now i gotta measure out you know this much agar you know <laughs> whatever some you know so Variety of diets, one thing. What are the other, uh, I mean, you being a nutritionist and having a lot of clients and being particularly focused as well in habit change stuff, the small steps approach, as we mentioned, uh, what are the issues that, the, or the themes that come up among your clients that, that are, are, are resistance to eating healthily and just living healthily as, as a whole? Right. I mean, so part of the inspiration for the thing that we're working on is the constant feedback that I get from people. They want to, they want to essentially in the, in the short term, they want to be told, what do I do when I leave? You know, I teach classes at the wellness center and I have clients. What do I do starting today? How, what do I, when I walk out the door, fine, fine. I get what you say, but what do I do when I walk out the door? There is perception that is rampant, that, that eating healthy is difficult. It's not difficult at all. Here's what's difficult. Taking on a new behavior, whether that be in fitness or diet or anything, taking on a new job. It's, there's a transition period that you have to get over and past to where that becomes your new normal. So for food, it's like I try to really get people to really, to, to really talk about what they're talking about here. When they say it's hard to eat healthy, 
It's super easy to eat healthy. I go, anybody can walk into a market, walk into the produce section, buy whatever fruits and vegetables you see there and eat them. That's the easiest thing in the world. Handful of nuts and seeds, you're done. Grab a cucumber and eat the cucumber. People don't think about that. What they're really talking about is they want to be able to create healthier meals that give them the exact same pleasure as the meals that they're currently used to eating. So I, I, first of all, I get them to understand that. I'm not trying to take pleasure away. It's not that it's hard to eat healthy. It's hard to learn a new way to prepare different foods that will end up giving you the same pleasure. And you should get pleasure from food. Absolutely. So part of it is the common theme is, I know it sounds good, but it's just it's so hard to eat healthy. It's like, no, it's super duper easy. Now, the difficulty is a new behavior. The difficulty is learning a new skill, essentially. So people need help with that. And as soon as they're over the hump, they're on their way. Um, the second thing is the fear around nutrition. In large part, I've talked about this. I talked about this in the book, and I show it in every class I teach, which is that I, I don't have it with me. I could show you guys right now, but it's a nutrition during pregnancy brochure that was given to my wife and me um, in our in the OBGYN's office when we were pregnant. She was pregnant with our twins. I always like them guys say, when we were pregnant, it's like, no, she was totally pregnant. I was not, <laughs> not at all pregnant. Uh, um, I had to buy a minivan, but that's a separate issue. Okay, so and so um, so we get handed nutrition, a good start nutrition during pregnancy brochure in the doctor's office. And I noticed some crazy things in it that I would look, just looking going, whoa. And then I looked at the back copyright and it says, 1988 revised 1992 National Cattlemen's Beef Association is the co- is the copyright holder of this nutrition during pregnancy. I literally show it every time I do a talk. I make somebody read it out loud. There is a fear around nutrition that I believe is unfounded. There's a f- there there if we can pe- keep people afraid, then they'll they'll do what we want and they'll buy our products. I am anti fear. I would rather empower people and send them on their way to know what they're doing. But I have to dispel the myths and I have to decrease the fear and part of that thing that comes up you guys know more than anybody else protein around that so also b12 also iron i mean these are the things that people just they come in to do a class with me and usually because i've gotten pretty good at it they leave this with this weight ah ah you know and you can eat very simply and do just fine and um so part of it is dispelling the fear educating them telling them they don't really need to know that much when they walk out my door They've learned a lot, but I say you can forget 90% of this now when you walk out the door. There's the background. You got it now. Go eat and have fun with your life. Go do, do cool stuff. You don't have to balance and measure and weigh and count all these things. No animal does it in the wild, and it doesn't work for us. We should use fear as a way to sell this meal plan. I think – was it? I, I quoted, quoted a recent podcast. I think it was uh, Truman. I think somebody said, yeah, if you confuse them – if you can't convince them, confuse them. And I, and I think that that's a very effective marketing tool, but I don't think it's very effective to help people live better. And I think that if you confuse people and make people their heads spin, I think they do get afraid then, especially with families, they go, it sounds good, but I don't want to guinea pig my kids on this. you know. And I've got kids, and, and you know how that is. And so I, just, I think it's just too much crap out there that makes people freak out. Have we talked about kids before? Like philosophy of how do you get your kids to eat healthily? I think we may have because you had that salad video of the kids just pounding salad. Yeah, I mean, legendary film in my house. Is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all CGI, but yeah, yeah. They were actually eating Big Macs, (laughs) but I was able to, yeah, through the wonders of video. Um, But no, they, they, um, you know, with kids, it's the same thing. You know, my kids have we've been doing this a while, so for them, it's pretty normal for them. They don't really even think about it. My kids don't eat healthy 100 percent of the time. By the way, they're they're 100% plant based, 
but you know as well as I do that there's a ton of plant-based junk food. Sure. Okay. So first of all, as I always talk about, it's the mo- it's what you do most of the time. Our house, our most of the time is very healthy, but we're not all the time. I don't want to raise militant children. Um, I don't want to raise kids that are, have food issues. Now, a lot of people perceive whether you know to be restrictive because you only eat plants. The only reason I eat only plants has nothing to do with nutrition. The reason I never cheat and go astray on non-plant-based stuff is for other reasons, environmental and ethical. So I always put those in that list of things we don't do as a family. We don't steal. We don't cheat. We don't hurt animals. We don't hurt people. I mean, those are the, the list of things we don't do. But we don't have to eat 100% healthy all the time. Our most of the time is really high quality. And so my kids are super duper healthy and still have get to have the fun foods and the treats and the candy now and then. Um, so for, but for people who are not, who haven't been doing this and are transitioning their kids, they have to understand that just like for them, it's a new behavior and it's the, the same process of introducing in, in small increments in ways that aren't stressful, bringing in new foods in the house, slowly transitioning food away from the out of the house. I always use the house as like, that's your place. If you can manage healthy food in your house, it matters a lot less what happens when you're not in your house because you're mostly in your house. So if you can just get the junk, I've told parents like, if you're not going to change your diet, hide your Twinkies so that they're not visible to your children because children are going to eat and they transition pretty darn fast. And I've had parents go, I'm really worried because my kid just wants to eat broccoli all the time. And of course they're worried about protein. Well, broccoli is 45% protein. So I'm going, you're afraid or my kid loves fruit and it's too much sugar. I've had that a lot of times and I'm like, man, your kid is telling you that they know better than you already. Listen to them. They, they haven't been diluted by the industry yet. They know that they love fruit because we love fruit. We love sweet. That's humans, you know? And so, um, it, you know, it's, it's, edu- it's educating and, and giving parents the tools to pull this off. What do you think about both with kids and I guess just making the transition as an adult in general about cheat days? So scheduled cheat days. I think that it, that I, it, it, I think it can totally work. I think it's person where we, where I find differences between people is less in our dietary needs and more in our schedules and our logistics. If a cheat day, like I have a cheat day, I, I do I have a cheat day. Saturdays is usually my day where, and the thing is like, it's all relative. Like my cheat day is better than 99.9% of Americans. Right. right? right. So, um, but there's a day where I, I, you know, generally eat a ton of fruit during the day. You know, most days. Well, Saturday I get up and I just, you know, whatever. Like it's whatever's in the house. I don't really. I just want. I don't want it. It's just another day for me. It's a day off and everything. Um, so I think it's great. I think that what I rather people do, at least my clients and stuff, is I don't. I'm always afraid of militancy. So when you schedule something like a cheat day, I'd rather people think, do I want to do a cheat day today? Is this a good day for me to, I'd rather have bring a little thought into that instead of saying, well, it's my Saturday, so I must, I should eat bad today. Even though they may not want to feel, they might not, maybe Friday they barely got any sleep and maybe Saturday they actually feel like maybe I should do a little bit better for myself today and I'll do my cheat day another day. I'd rather have that empowerment for people to make their own decisions and assessments. But in general, I think it's great. Let it loose and, you know, then you're not not wired in too hard on that. Yeah. I like that. All right, Sid. We got to talk about showering. Matt said, do you, do, have we ever talked about kids and now you want to talk about showering? <laughs> <laughs> this is a very uncomfortable podcast episode for me. No, I've been advocating not taking showers for a while now. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I can't say I'm old school not showering, but I'm, the past few months I've been, I've been being publicly saying that I, I like not taking that many showers uh, purely out of laziness. Not at all. Not at all for health reasons. 
then you showed up to my house and you, I said, said you need to take a shower today. And you said, no, I don't, I don't take showers anymore. And I thought that's pretty cool. So what's, what's the reason there? The reason is, is I do my two major areas of research these days are in general, the body stress response and also bacteria, the, the biome, the microbiome, the bacteria in our gut, the, all the microorganisms in our gut. And the more I read about that, I realize. Well, I've known this for a while, but now I'm reading about it more in depth is we're too clean. And, you know, the B12 fear, people always go, well, what about B12? It's in meat. I go, well, it's not in meat. It comes from the ground and the animals don't wash their produce. And so they get those microorganisms. So would we, if we ate a blackberry off a tree that had dust and dirt on it, we would get that too. And it it just occurs to me as I see people more and more walk around with um, hand sanitizer in their pockets, how clean we become. I think it was totally necessary in the short term when we populated cities, we had sanitation problems and we failed because of that sanitation, sewage, all these kinds of things. And so then we had antibiotics and that was great. Now we've become germaphobes. And so now we're, we've swung so far the other way where we were not succeeding because we didn't, we weren't clean enough in, you know, medical practices and everything else. Now today, and I'm not saying, you know, surgery, you should be clean, but in day-to-day life, we're just too clean. I mean, we we are putting chemicals on our bodies. We're putting chemicals on our countertops. We, our kids don't go outside anymore to play in the dirt. We're freaked out by that. And essentially what's happening is we create extreme imbalance. Bacterial infections from bacteria that are now massively strong are a result of us being too clean. We, we suffer now from what the WHO calls a post-antibiotic world, which is we don't have antibiotics to cover all the bacterial infections that we're up against. That's a scary prospect. I think if we understand that we're more bacteria than we are human cells, they on average, they think about 10 times the amount of bacteria in your gut than you have human cells. That Think about that. Recent stuff I've been reading is that bacteria in our gut can actually influence our food cravings based on what they need to eat. So they'll go, yeah, I'm going to tell Doug um, to hit that I need to get some sweets. And Doug goes, I really feel like a cookie right now. And it's your bacteria talking, not even you, you know? And it's, it's like we be, we're, we're beholden to this massive population. I think if we feed those things well with food that's frankly fiber, that's what feeds that good bacteria. And also get a little dirty and that's okay. Eat healthy food and get and stay dirty. So if I go for a long run, I will rinse off, but I stopped using soap. Um, I'm sure your listeners want to hear about my actual habits, but what I do generally day to day is if I, you know, when I run before work, I go to work, I grab a washcloth and I wet it down with just water and I wash the essentials. I just did air quotes so you guys can <laughs> visualize, but I wash the essentials and I, and I, and I, and I go to work and I've been, and I rinse off maybe once a week where I'll just jump in the shower for less than a minute water only. So for years, my wife and I, have, we only bathe our kids twice a week. And, and that's, we've been doing that forever, and they're totally fine. And without soap, right? And without soap. We usually shampoo their hair and, and condition their hair, but no soap on their bodies. I think people pay less attention than they should to what they put on their bodies. And I'll credit David Wolf with this, as I was telling you this last night, but he's the first person that said, if you can't eat it, don't put it on your skin. And I think, you know, so my wife is a moisturizer, and for me as an aftershave, I'll use coconut oil. You know, it's something I can consume. I feel okay. I don't think it's a health food per se, but it, I could eat it. So it's okay going in my body. So you're not oil-free on your, on your skin? On my skin, I'm not oil-free. <laughs> so, yeah. And so I, that's that's where I'm at. It's a test. I've been doing it for about a month. I feel fine. Your wife uh, confirmed last night that I do not smell. Mm-hmm. She said, yeah, yeah, you don't she smell. She was just being nice. <laughs> 
I know you guys are sitting really far away from me right now. <laughs> um, if I feel like I'm getting, you know, for a long day of travel, for instance, I was telling you guys, uh, telling uh, Matt and Aaron last night, you know, when I traveled here, I live rural, so it's usually a 12 to 14 hour travel day. It's a four hour drive to the airport and a long travel day in, in airlines and everything else. So you're, you're sweating. Everything. I just popped in the bathroom at the airport and, and grabbed some towels, wetted them down and, you know, wiped off my underarms and, you know, the smell goes away and I'm fine. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, I'd rather do that than put chemicals on. I know this isn't for everybody, but it's just what I'm guinea pigging myself. I'll just put it that way. So, so I get three questions. I like this. I like this idea a lot. And, and, I agree and it saves water. And I'm in California where there's yeah. a massive drought. So I figure between my diet and the fact that I'm not showering, I'm pretty much a good water soldier. Yeah. Doug is our resident tree hugger guy here, by the way. Oh, okay. I am. Okay. But I do shower. So, so these are my three questions. Cause okay. they, they, these, these would be the reasons why I haven't cut back on my showering. Um, the first is you're bald, you know, and you mentioned washing I'm hair. I'm bald? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, I don't wear the mirrors either. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, you know, I'm not bald. Yeah. So, um, over time, does my hair just adjust and quit being as oily as it would be if I went three days right now? Don't know about that, and, and I, but I do know that like apple cider vinegar and water is an excellent shampoo. I mean, there's way better options. Uh, baking soda and water, I think, is a great conditioner. They, they, you know, there's very like very simple options. We don't need. I mean, if you look at the history of toothpaste, like we can, we don't need all the stuff that's in toothpaste. Like we were sold this sort of foamy experience, and that's why they put something sodium lauryl sulfate to get it foamy. Like right. we get used to that stuff. That's what's in shampoos. We like to see the suds. Like it's really working. You don't really need that much to get the oils out of your hair. Um, I don't know long term what that would do. Um, if you stopped shampooing, you'd probably get something like dreadlocks at some point. So, but I think, but I think a good step is to find a natural food based option yeah. that 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 minimizes that. Okay, there is coconut oil shampoo, right? I, I don't my, know about I, that. My wife made a recipe. Oh, yeah? of, of that one. There's a ton yeah. of natural stuff on the inter, on the internet. Honestly, that's like five ingredients. You can eat them all, and you mix it together and use that in your hair. I think that's such a better option. Mm -hmm. All right, question number two. As I run to a lot of poison ivy on the trails that I run, mm -hmm. and so one of the first things I always do after run is scrub my legs. Mm -hmm. um, I assume that probably eventually I would build up some sort of immunity if I didn't do that. Probably. Um, is that kind of what you would say? Yeah, and I don't know if you want to, you know, this is, there. look, there's modern world. If I ran through poison ivy, I would shower with soap. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a fact, you know, and so it's it, how often are you doing that and th things like that. Everything I talk about, is a, like Matt said, it's approaching the natural. We can't get 100% of balance. We can't, you know, somehow our species managed to survive around poison oak, you know, poison oak, poison ivy, and all sorts of other things in spite of not having showers for thousands and thousands of years, right. you know, and soap for that time. We yeah. jump in a stream, but we didn't have, you know, hugely chemical-laden soaps and things like that and lotions and everything else. But now we're in this modern world. And so, you know, it's, it's a necessity. I take a B12 supplement because I wash my produce. To me, that's a modern world compromise I'm totally okay with. You know, and, and that's just what, there's some things you, you do, you know, is it better than me going out into the wild and eating wild food? Of course not, but I'm not going to do that because I have a job and kids in the house, you know? So yeah, it's the weighing of those, those things for you. Right. Right. All right. So my final question is kind of the more obvious one. And that is I get back from a run and I stink. Do you, uh, just not stink? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, and I don't if know. You don't stink. Well, that's not true. But here's the thing. So does my shit. Wow. But here's the Mike Arnstein's does not. But he said that on an He does, Mike Arnstein. Yes. But the thing is, is 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 what he's saying is is true. And here's why. This the scent of the body and the scent of, you know, your underarms and everything else 
is in more ways than not affected by what's inside your body. The cleaner that you eat, the cleaner, my body odor is not bad. It's just not that bad. Do I not sink at all? No, I'll, I'll get a little bit of scent, especially my underarms toward the end of the day, but that's water gets it off and, and it's fine. I haven't used deodorant in 10 years and nobody ever complains about my, of course, that maybe they're being polite. Um, <laughs> but, but people forget that healthy nails, healthy skin, healthy hair, um, body odor, that is so much determined by what you consume. It comes out of your body. It's we, we, we need lotions and we need deodorants in large part to balance how unnatural the food is that we're consuming and the stress in our stress in general, our bacterial balance that affects things like body odor and just in general, how our body, how clean and efficient our body is. So I don't, when I get back from run, I don't stink. I mean, I don't, I, I, there's a smell there for you, but nothing that water, a quick thing with water on a washcloth removes right away and I'm fine for the rest of the day. So you're telling me I don't eat healthy enough? No, I don't know your diet, Doug. Um, I do had a dinner last night here at your house, and it was horrible. Um, I woke up. I woke up with a stench like nobody's business. Um, no, no, I'm just kidding. No, you you great. You great. I don't. I don't know. Um, I, I think if you smell back from a run, I do a little bit too. But the question is, what are you going to do about that? And I think you don't need to put necessarily because your diet's good. I don't think you need to put chemicals and stuff on your body. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Cool. Yeah, it's not like I have no body odor. It's just no. what do I do about it? Right? I, I like this yeah. a lot. I, I, Your skin has bacteria on it. Mm-hmm. And so every time we use these chemicals, I mean, there's literally things we can put on our skin that affects how effective our bodies are at creating vitamin D from the sunlight. What we're doing to our skin is impairing our ability to create vitamin D from the sunlight, one of the most natural things our bodies do. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just an area that people don't can think about as much as I think they should. Yeah. You know, Matt's been talking about not trying for a while, but he's been talking about framing it as just because he's lazy. <laughs> and see, that, that doesn't have, that, you know, I don't connect with that at all, but I connect a lot more with this and, yeah. and uh, I'm really intrigued. This, yeah. this, this is cool. Yeah. And actually it's been, I have to say, I, I never did it be out of laziness, but it's pretty, like this morning, Matt came out and I was like, I'll be ready in three minutes. And then I was ready in like two minutes. I mean, I think I beat that, right? I mean, I just go in and yeah. I'm coming out and I'm ready to go. I like it. Yeah. All right. I wasn't going to ask this because we still got to make fun of you for grounding that. Oh, okay. That I think. <laughs> I'll do that in a minute. But the, we mentioned oil really quick. I wasn't thinking about this when we thought of questions, but I did mention the oil-free thing. And you told me something really interesting that you've been seeing a lot of, uh, I don't know, psychotic oil-free people coming into your uh, wellness center asking you know for, for help, but, but just kind of being really over the top about not eating oil. And I wrote on my blog a few months ago that we had stopped eating it at home. And I got a bunch of those responses, like, you know, accusing me of being extreme and like, and I, and I understand why, because I, for a lot, long time thought that was crazy too. Uh, we still do it when we go out to eat, at least I do. Uh, and this past three months, I haven't been at home because we've been, had this terrible housing situation that, that happened with the flooding and all that. Uh, so we're, you know, we're eating oil and stuff fairly regularly now, but as soon as we get into a place, which is next week, which I'm thrilled about finally, we'll get back to that not eating oil at home. But I just want to hear what, what is your take on on that, and I, I know what it is because I've, we've done the meal planning stuff for a while, and I know kind of how, how you view it. But I just want to hear what what you think because I think it's a really reasonable, realistic approach. Like everything else that you do, it just kind of fits the the theme there of approaching the natural. So, can you tell us what that is? Yeah, the backdrop of of this first and foremost for your listeners too is that when I teach people and work with people, <clears throat> one thing that I want to do is educate them about food and then quickly devalue food. I think people have a tendency to put too much attention to food and think about food all the time. And again, there's no judgment there. I just find that most people I work with and teach actually 
would rather not think about food as much. They'd rather, there's other things that they want to do. And I try to frame food as one of the things that can make you happy and healthy. When I do that, it's because there's other things, family and all these kinds of things that, that bring value to our lives. So this is the, that's the backdrop. So what happens now is we've got these, you know, titans of the industry. I don't want to necessarily name names, but there's people who rhyme with old ermine and <laughs> Shesselston um, and Schlick Dougal. You know, I, your listeners will know who I'm talking about. No, um, and these guys are great and they know what they're talking about. And I drew on a lot of their information when I wrote my book, which only has, by the way, one chapter on food for, for, for a real reason. Um, they know what they're doing. Colin Campbell. I mean, these guys are geniuses. They're amazing. I don't want to take anything away from them except this. They are all about food. And the people sometimes that read their books and follow them and go to their seminars and their retreats, and these guys have thousands of followers, they blow me away in the success arena every time. But many people are drawn to them because they want that kind of instruction, and it's sort of a guru-type relationship that I am squarely against. In my podcast, almost every week, I go, I'm not a guru. Don't follow me, period. Don't make it about me. And so what they're doing is they're, I think they're playing a hand in perpetuating this, this tendency toward militancy and rigidity around food that I don't think is making people happy and healthy. I think the goal for us is to, we want to live well in the world when food can get actually healthy food can get in the way of that sometimes. So these people come in and like their eyes are dilated. They're like in, they're like in zombie mode about that. I can't have a single drop of oil. A lot of times this happens at the Stanford Inn where they're on vacation for crying out loud. So they can't have a single drop of oil. They're on vacation. We use oil minimally anyway, period. But then they get in their car, which is totally unnatural. They put their, turn the air conditioning on if they're too hot. They turn the heater on if they're too cold. They use toothpaste and shampoos and lotions, all these unnatural things, but they can't have a single drop of oil. And that's an imbalance for me. That's an imbalance. I think it's, 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 it's too, they're creating stress for themselves. It's like Matt, I said again, Matt said, you can't be 100% natural. So they're saying, I can't have any oil because it's not natural and it's not healthy at all. I can't do it. But they're doing a ton of stuff that's not technically healthy for us, like driving a car when you should be moving your body. So it's again, it's what you do most of the time. I eat oil now and then, but it's a minimal part of my day. I don't feel restrictive at all. Day to day, I don't eat oil because I don't really think about it. I make a cashew ranch dressing and put it on my salad. It's fun. I love it. I crave it crave it and it has no oil in it so it's not like i'm making some massive effort but if i go out to dinner i don't ask if there's oil in something it doesn't make oil a healthy food it just it's one meal ain't gonna it ain't gonna tip the scale so i really want people to understand and keep their eye on the ball that's part of you know not to go back to our plan but that's the message here is like build in your routine so you don't have to think about this stuff most people have other cool stuff that they want to do or that they would even explore if they had the time and the energy and the thought you know space to do it I don't want to open that up for people. Good. All right. So you don't take showers. You, what else? You brush your teeth. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I've Thanks, heard, man. I've heard maybe, I've heard maybe you shouldn't. I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, here's, here's, okay. So I, I, I brush my teeth, but I don't necessarily have to use toothpaste every single time. And I tend to use a non-fluoride toothpaste. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if there's a fluoride toothpaste, I'll use it. Like I'm not, I don't. I'm not too rigid about that either. My teeth. Are I saw Dr. Gregor and Michael Gregor in a presentation about talking about teeth and how how even a few hundred years ago there were, there were really not many dental problems uh-huh. like, like what we are experiencing now. And I think it's because of the food that we're eating more than anything else. But this is when people weren't really brushing their teeth. So interesting side note. So we have to think about teeth also as as bone as a bone. 
And so as you go to acid, the acid forming diet, the, the thing that American high, super high protein kinds of things. And what the body does to balance that acidity in the blood is pull calcium. It, it you know, it, it'll, it'll degrade bones to stay alive. And that's, I think that part of it, I think bacteria plays part of that. I think plaque and all those things are bacterial based and that's a, the whole thing too. How does your, how strong is your immune system? How good is your bacteria? The, the gut bacteria, <clears throat> excuse me, the gut bacteria is an essential part of your immune system. And so if that's out of balance, <clears throat> you could find manifestation in your mouth, in your, in your gums and everything else. Good. So you also rebound trampoline now and then for Honestly, cellular health? Not even for cellular It's really, we talked about this before, Matt. <laughs> movement of any time, kind is for cellular health. And movement is, you know, the lymphatic system is, is dependent on that. Yeah. It's only just a thing that I walk in the door, you know, if I'm just super busy. I'll just jump on that thing. It's in the living room and it totally serves a purpose. Okay. Who doesn't think jumping on a trampoline is fun? It's a mini trampoline, right? Yeah. It's a rebounder. Rebounder. Yeah. Does I mean, I'd love to. Bar that you hold. Yeah. It, okay. I don't need the bar, Doug. I've 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 graduated past well, I, it, but there is a bar. No, no, no. There's a bar. I'm trying to get a picture of. You no, no. There's a bar, there's a bar, but see the thing is, it's funny. It's like my my son especially. You can tell, you can see when he's getting sort of like he has a lot of energy, he's got to burn it off. He will himself get on the trampoline. Just ran at random times during the day, he'll just jump on there for like five minutes and get off and go about his way. Like he just, it's just this great expelling of like dissipation of energy. It's so excellent. We should like hook a generator up to that. Or I know, so, totally. We could, we could, we could, we could, yeah, we could power the house. So what I want to know though is your rebounder, is it, is it grounded so that when you do a barefoot, you're, you're getting the currents of the earth up through your body? Unfortunately, no. no. I don't even know if that's possible. Although so I know really, people build grounding really... floors. That's true. Yeah. Like people can ground their floors now. And there are some really weird people who have grounding sheets that, that they sleep in beds one. that are plugged into the wall. I have one. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just give us the grounding thing. We said it in our last episode, but uh, and it's in your book. Um, but I'm sure many people are wondering what the heck is grounding and, and why would I possibly care about it? Yeah. I, I think that it, 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 it fits into the whole picture of us as an animal. And that we've lost a little bit of sight of that. I always think of Orwell's Animal Farm about the animals who dress up like people. We're sort of like that. We're sort of animals that dress up like people. And and we think of ourselves as completely separate from nature. We look at it, you know, like a, a, as we're in a zoo, like, oh, that's them out there. But there's our bodies are interacting with the external world. That's what they do. And they're trying to find balance with that external world. It's very hard to find balance in the world we created. Look at us sitting right now in fake, you know, fake light. We're not in the sunlight. We we don't have air coming over. We're not touching the ground. Grounding is one of those things. It's this people now understand and they've accepted and nobody questions the fact that if you ask anybody layman, somebody who has no idea about nutrition, you go, do you need sunlight? Yeah, we we're out the sun. It makes vitamin D. Like we get that. Well, that's the body's interacting with nature. That's sunlight hitting the body. The body knows what to do with it. Makes vitamin D. Grounding is that same exact thing. We're not designed to have rubber. We're not designed to be separated from the earth. We're covering the earth with asphalt, with buildings, with cement. We're removing ourselves from what's natural. Again, it's a reality. But when you can, even for just a minute, connect, physically connect to the earth, it has amazing benefits for your body on an electrical level. You literally ground your body grounds. If you go to YouTube, you can see people who have wired themselves up to show their their sort of levels of electricity, st static electricity in their bodies. And when they put their foot on the ground, you see the meter go down to zero to the earth's potential. It dissipates. We don't have the ability to dissipate energy. We sit at laptops and we, we have that electricity in us through all the electronic equipments, the phones, and everything else. It's got nowhere to go. 
when we stand on the ground, it, it dissipates, muscle tension normalizes, blood pressure goes down, all these kinds of things that they've actually measured. I don't think people need to overthink it. I think it's just understand that you're an animal and that you can get outside whenever you can for however long you can to get in the sun now and then. People are afraid of sunlight. I mean, it's like, you know, we, we separate ourselves so much. And so when we can just reconnect, that's all grounding is for me. All I did in the book was just provide sort of, you know, researched, this is what happens actually, but it's just about getting a little bit more in touch and sort of resetting the clock now and then. That's how I see it. So that was YouTube you mentioned? Y-O-U-T-U-B-E? Um, YouTubes, I think oh, is what you thought YouTube's last right. night. Yeah, the, the, the YouTubes. <laughs> okay. I think it's, it's what the kids are watching. Good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, to wrap up, there was a, there's a book by Dan Lieberman, who was the, the guy in Born to Run, the doctor, who I think he's, he's behind the, the whole barefoot running research thing. Okay. Uh, I believe he's a Harvard guy. But he has a book called The Story of the Human Body. That's really, really good book. Very fair uh, assessment, looking at paleo, vegan, kind of making fun a little bit of, of each, but, you know, in a very fair way, just looking at us in the context of where we came from. And in the beginning, to motivate the book, he tells the story about, uh, I think it was the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. There was a monkey that was loose, and it was running around the city, and they just couldn't get it and kept evading the authorities. And everyone thought it was just so funny that here was this monkey who was in a city so out of his environment uh-huh. and living and eating out of the garbage cans and going to the bathroom of the city. And what Lieberman says in the book, he says, that's that's us. Like We are that monkey living in these cities now, and we're, we're just as out of our natural environment as that monkey is. And and that's like, you know, if you, if you view us in that way, suddenly all these things that we're talking about don't seem quite that strange, that we should, you know, that we're meant to, to be touching the earth, that we're meant probably not to be washing our bodies with all these fancy soaps and lotions and t- toothpaste and all that stuff. Uh, as well as, of course, the way we eat, that we're not meant to be eating things that come in boxes and packages and right. wraps. So I just like that a lot. Uh, it's a good book, by the way, Story of the Human Body. And well, Let me just interject with Louis C.K. is a comedian. He talks about littering on the on the ground in New York. And somebody goes, he's littered. And he goes, if you think about it, the whole city of New York is litter. Like the whole city is on top of nature. <laughs> it's I mean, the environment. <laughs> it's, 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 the whole thing is trash. We, we have covered and we need to get a little bit more in you know context of that but there's also a good book called barefoot running by michael sandler and he he even talks about grounding and something called the schumann response which is the sort of natural hertz waves of the of the ground and it interestingly it spikes at 8 a.m and 8 p.m every day no matter where you are on the earth and it's sort of like the natural trigger that you would get to wake up and go to sleep mm. you know pre-clocks and so one of the things that's effective is when you travel and you get to a new time zone faster than you ever would on foot Right? That's why we have jet lag. If we get places too fast, the body needs catch-up time. It's in a different zone, and jet lag is very much that thing. It, it freaks the body out like it can't reconnect. Putting your feet on the ground gets you back into connection with where you are on the earth circadian rhythm-wise at that moment. And so when I got to your house, I shoot off on your front lawn. Yeah, exactly. And we were too busy showering. And, um, and so, and so, yeah. And so just, it's just like re just reconnect for a second. I know it sounds weird and odd, but the fact is it's really, like you said, it's kind of weird and odd that we are these, what we're doing. If you step back just a little, people go, Michael Arnstein, it's so extreme. Eating fruits, not really extreme. It's just different from what most people do, but it's totally normal. For, you know, for orangutans, like, that's not extreme. That's normal. It's what I do every day, you know? And so it's, we got to get a little perspective sometimes. All right, good. Well, I'm sure we've offended a lot of people and turned a lot of people off of this show forever. But uh, <laughs> Do we say anything offensive? Well, I think people, you know, religious types are offended by the very idea that we are like animals. And your client, your uh, listenership is? I mean, I think, like, 
like any other group. I, I think there that's, are probably that's a very, very, uh, that, that's, that's not fair. a good, a fair assessment of religious types either. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and again, it's not, I'm not even speaking to origins or anything like that. It's the fact is, I don't think anybody can deny where we are today. We have physical bodies that interact with environment. And when we can make the environment more helpful for our bodies to find balance the best way they can, we do that best. And we do that with food and we do that with movement. I mean, moving your body is more natural than sitting in a chair. That's all I'm saying. Whether you do that dancing in your living room, jumping on a trampoline, yoga, running, whatever that is, it's more natural than not moving. That's, that's it. It doesn't matter how we evolve. I mean, that's just a fact. We know that we do that better. We know that when we put clean food in our bodies, our bodies can find better balance and do their jobs better. It's a pretty simple equation. All right. Anything else, Doug? I don't think so. Thanks Sid, for Thank you. And it's great podcast. to meet you, Doug, and hang out. I'm just bummed that we didn't get to run, but um, yeah. another time. Yeah, maybe out uh Mendocino Ultra, that's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, for sure. Well, thanks, right. guys. Thanks cool. for having me. Yeah, of course, Sid. Uh, check out Sid's stuff uh, on the YouTubes. Sid Garza Hillman is the channel. Yeah. Or SidGarzaHillman.com, right? That's right. Where you'll find the podcast. Yeah, and weekly. all like Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Strava. I'm a huge Strava guy, so if you want to follow me on Strava, the rule is you follow me, I follow you back. And so there's a little community growing, which is really fun. I love Strava. I've been having a lot of fun with that. So. I do too. <laughs> Oh yeah, I Actually, I don't really want it. it's all positive and fun. It's like it's great. Anyway, thanks guys. Alright.